The following is a presentation of the Premier Dance Network. Hi everyone, Kimberly Falker here, the founder and CEO of the Premier Dance Network, the only podcast network dedicated solely to the world of dance. And welcome to Pod to Chat with your host, Barry Corellis. Hello and welcome back. Thanks for coming to chat. I am your host, Barry Corollis, and you are listening to Pod to Chat Talking Dance on the Premier Dance Network. In this bi-weekly podcast, I candidly offer educational conversations and thoughtful analysis on all things dance. With my vast background as a director, choreographer, instructor, and dancer, I'm happy to share my 18 plus years of experience with you, whether you're a professional dancer or just listening in for an insider's look into our fascinating art form. So put your earbuds in, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's talk dance. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Pod to Chat Talking Dance. For those of you that keep up on my podcast, I want to send an extra big apology to all of you for not uh, releasing an episode two weeks ago. I am usually pretty on top of uh, creating content, um, and I, I podcast every two weeks with practically no breaks. Um, I usually like miss two or three episodes a year, but I, I give a heads up beforehand. But I just could not bring myself to make a podcast two weeks ago. Um, essentially, my company, Movement Headquarters, uh, we threw together outdoor performances throughout the entire month of August. So there's a lot of social media with that. And then uh, we immediately went into a fall fundraiser in September um, to start preparing a, a new nutcracker for our company. Um, that went well. We raised a little over, uh, actually close to $5,000. Um, there's more coming in. So it's more than $5,000. So we, I think it was pretty successful. But when it ended, I was just completely and utterly burnt out on doing anything related to media or social media. And I tried to put something together two weeks ago, but I finally just kind of gave myself the okay to let that go. Um, and I mean, here's the thing. 2020 is kind of the year of learning how to take care of yourself, not just physically, but more so emotionally. And I just hit a wall. I had been putting out content, putting out content. And um, I didn't even mention that I wasn't doing a podcast. So anyway, I took a week off of social media and I'm slowly getting back to it. So I'm feeling a bit better, but I think that I need to just find different ways to like not constantly be putting content out because in reality, I've been doing that since 2012 when I started blogging. Um, and then I got to a point in 2017 where I just couldn't blog anymore. Um, even though I was, I was also podcasting since what, 2016, um, and yeah, it's it's become a lot. I'm not blogging anymore, but I'm still writing a lot um, for Dance Magazine um, and then their sister publications and then also putting out podcasts every two weeks. So please, I know that was a long explanation. Please forgive me if you were upset that there wasn't content. Um, I am probably going to um, take some time off either in November or December, um, probably gonna take like a month off. So that's two episodes, but I'll try to give you guys a head up, heads up before I do that. Um, yeah, so that's that. Other than that, uh, yeah, we had a successful fundraiser. Um, I'm really excited to begin workshopping for our new Nutcracker next week. Um, kind of like evolved how we're going about doing things. We need more time. We didn't, we didn't create enough funds, uh, or we didn't gain enough funds yet to truly put together like a full digital 
release. Excuse me. Um, but yeah, we, we didn't get to do a, get, we don't have the, enough resources to do that. Um, and time is starting to run out. So we're going to workshop over the next year and we're going to start to produce content so that uh, you can follow along and see how we're doing that. So, um, I'm really excited because this is very different. We have our, uh, an Italian composer creating an original arrangement of, the Nutcracker score, and it's going to be like unlike anything you've ever heard before. I've already started getting some some parts of it in. Um, yeah, it's going to be immersive. But yeah, so if you want to see what we're doing with that, I strongly recommend that you go to our Instagram and follow us at, at movement underscore headquarters um, or go to YouTube and follow our movement headquarters YouTube channel because we're going to be producing stuff there. We might even do a Patreon uh, campaign to get everything launched for this. So just stay tuned. It's going to be exciting. Yeah. Um, what else? Um, I'm thinking about doing some basic and beginner virtual classes uh, coming up. So if you want uh, some information on that, you can go to my Instagram at bcarolas, except for movement headquarters, and you can reach out to me there. Nothing is fully like committed yet, but um, I'm coming, coming together with some ideas and I'll, I'll be sharing information there. Cool. Is there anything else? Yeah, I feel like there's a few other things, but I can't talk about them yet. So I'll talk about them when I can. Um, so yeah, that's our intro. <laughs> Mostly taken up by my apology. Um, but yeah, so uh, we're back. Let's get on track now. So um, I, in the process of thinking of what I should talk about, you know, I don't know. It's just hard to like not talk about things related to COVID or politics right now. Um, and I keep on trying to find things that aren't uh, related and I do, but then I don't know. I'm really best at talking about things that I'm experiencing right now. And, um, so I thought that I would talk about, um, <laughs> The performing arts, um, because there's been a lot of conversations about whether the performing arts will ever be the same again um, after this pandemic is over, if it ever is over, or if we just learn how to live with it. Um, and that's what I want to talk about today. That's what I'm here for. So what do you think? Will the performing arts ever be the same again? Um, I think that that's kind of a... The question doesn't really, uh, it's not like a straightforward question because what I've slowly come to realize is that we are not all in the same situation. Um, it's kind of like, I don't know, I'm not going to get political here. I'm just going to say this thing because it relates. But um, back in 2016, um, when President Trump first was running for office um, with his slogan, Make America Great Again. Um, not really a fan of that slogan. And, and part of the reason that I'm not is because in, in the end of September, the beginning of October of that year, um, like a month before the election, my husband and I went on our honeymoon to South America and we visited Peru, uh, Chile, Argentina and Uruguay. Um, and I mean, beyond the fact that when we went down there, anybody that realized we were Americans wanted to talk about that guy, um, it was just, it was uncomfortable to be down there and to imagine, like, that America is not great. Um, so to say that, like, America isn't great, kind of, like, 
it just put us in a very bad light. So um, in Peru, like they can't drink their own water. Um, you can't flush toilet paper. Like they have little bins in, in the stalls and in the bathrooms in, in your Airbnbs and hotels um, because you can't actually flush toilet paper down the toilet because it will clog. It can't, it can't do it. Um, I remember I could taste the, the um, pollution from the cars in my mouth and I had a scratchy throat for days after we left Lima. Um, corruption is completely different in those places. Um, the poor live in really, really crazy situations. So the, the idea of make America great again, it just felt kind of like overprivileged and, uh, un, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, just unaware. So yeah, what I've, this relates. Okay. What I've, like what I said before, what I've come to realize is that we're not all in the situation. And I learned this the hard way, actually, um, through my work. So, um, I was interviewing, uh, Val Canaparoli for this article that should release in Point Magazine either at the end of this week or on the time that this podcast releases, um, or on, uh, early next week. So I was interviewing Val Canaparoli about, uh, him creating a world premiere of Jekyll and Hyde, a new full-length ballet um, for the Finnish National Ballet, and how the Finnish National Ballet has been able to move forward with the production, but Val was stuck in um, in San Francisco, so he ended up choreographing via Zoom from like 1 a.m. to 7 a.m. in the morning for like weeks. Um, it's insanity. It's really crazy and inspiring and awful and amazing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so... Uh, I also had to interview the director of Finnish National Ballet, Madeleine On. Um, and she, as I was talking to her, like, th- this was back in maybe early September, mid-September, I think it was early September. They were already preparing for their first performance of the season. I was in shock because I just assumed that the entire world was, like, functioning the same um, but they, they already had, they were in the middle of performing their first, no, they had already performed their first rep. They were preparing to perform their second rep. And then their third repertoire, repertoire program was the full length, uh, Jekyll and Hyde. Um, and I was like, wow, like they're really like able to do it. And I, <laughs> in a moment of weakness, um, at the end of the, the email, Madeline was very sweet. And she said, I know it's been really hard in New York for you guys. Um, I just want to let you know that there's light at the end of the tunnel. And I cried, <laughs> like, immediately. <laughs> um, it's weird. I didn't cry a lot at the beginning of the pandemic, but I've cried a handful of times in the last, like, month and a half. I think everything's, like, finally coming out. Because, like, when it's happening, you just got to, like, survive. You can't, like, tap into how you feel. But now that it's, like we're out of it. Those things are coming up. But, um, yeah, so I, I, I was like, wow. Okay. Um, I didn't realize that in Europe they were actually like already in full performances with like touching each other and partnering. And yes, they have like fewer people in the audience and they're socially distancing, wearing masks but on stage. They're not, they have like all these protocols in place. Um, and yeah, it's, it was fascinating. Um, so then I started looking more around the country to see like how other places are responding. And I remember this summer seeing like a few schools already starting to, uh, to work. Um, I didn't realize that in New York city, children's programs were allowed to start in, uh, like July. 
Um, and I didn't know that until I was asked to teach uh, for a semester for the Broadway Dance Center children and teens program. Um, I didn't know that they had already had like a mini program because um, when they asked me to teach in person, I was like, is that even allowed? Because open classes still are not allowed in New York City. They have never started back up. Um, and the director of that program explained to me how that worked. So this summer, like in other parts of the U.S., we saw people going back in the studio. Um, in New York, they finally let kids go back in the studio. But yeah, it's October 13th um, when I'm recording this, and it's still not allowed. There's actually even a petition um, from a lot of the open class studios trying to trying to get the okay to to open up. Um, so yeah, it's. Clearly, we're not in the same situation. Um, I re- read an article recently um, with one of my, uh, some, somebody that I very much appreciate, uh, Adam Sklut, the director of Ballet West. Um, like their company was already back in rehearsals. I know Pacific Northwest Ballet has created like pods of dancers um, and they're doing like a v- little group, like solos or pot de diff with people who like live together um, for a virtual season. And that's crazy because it's like, they're not even mixing, like partnering, but then I'm seeing things with people partnering. And then you hear stories of like, uh, up in Kotzbahn, uh, right now, which is a residency in area in New York state in upstate non-New York city. Um, and they've been isolating for two weeks with their group, um, and then they can partner and work together. So it's it's just crazy. Nobody is in the same situation. And I think being a New Yorker, it's it's been kind of I don't know. We've we've kind of been isolated because initially we were the ones that it was happening to. Um, like I, I've been saying lately, like, cause more and more people have like been reaching out to me, asking me what it was like here. Um, and like my response is like where I live, it was a horror movie and it wasn't like watching a horror movie. It was like, you were in the horror movie. Um, but then I've like started to talk to other people in New York city. And I thought that this was like an entirely New York thing. It was like mostly like a Western and central Queens thing parts of Brooklyn, um, parts of the Bronx, but not everybody had the same experience. Some people in New York, it was just quiet streets, quiet nights, everybody just staying home. Um, so yeah, I, I, I guess we've been kind of isolated now that like we're doing better than practically anywhere else in the country with COVID numbers. Um, and we do have a few neighborhood hotspots. I'm like 20 blocks away from one. Um, so fingers crossed doesn't come closer, but, um, yeah, we're not we're not all experiencing this exactly the same. And and now that like, I mean, I'm still isolated. I, I the only times that I've left New York City since March were we went with a friend to Woodstock, New York, for like five days, and then my husband and I, I very reluctantly visited my family for Rosh Hashanah a couple of weeks ago. Um, and it was great to see my family. Um, there was a little drama, but I'm not going to get into that situation. Um, but it was mostly just like around comfort levels. Um, so yeah, I've been mostly isolated here. And now that I'm like, there's more stories getting out, you get a better sense of like what's really happening and nobody is treating it the same and everybody's in a different situation. So 
Yeah, in New York, like I was saying, uh, they've canceled. They just canceled Broadway through May of 2021, so Broadway will be dark for over a year. Um, New York City Ballet canceled their fall season and their Nutcracker. I don't think they've said anything yet about their spring, uh, their winter or spring seasons. I'm pretty sure I read that the Metropolitan Opera has closed through uh the 2020-2021 season so they're definitely not going to be back up until next fall um and yeah no theaters are allowed to open um i i have heard that near that american ballet theater is back in class like very tiny tiny groups but i don't know about new york city ballet yet um there are a couple of rental facilities open that if you want to rehearse in New York City, you can. Um, and I don't understand how they don't have to follow the same restrictions. So even in New York City, it's not the same situation. Um, but I do feel like it's taking a lot longer for the arts, uh, the performing arts to come back in New York City because we we got hit the hardest. Like in the United States, we got hit the hardest by far. And then in the the world, we at first we were one of the worst hit, but now we're probably in the top five, top ten. Um, so I think that we've taken it more seriously, and we are just really nervous to get back to things because um, with the density of our city, we know how quickly things can can go wrong. So that's why I think it's taking so long for the arts to come back, even though our numbers are better than others. Um, but it's hard to like make these decisions because you're getting we're we're getting guidance and mandates from the government, but they're dealing with so many different things that they can't like cover everything. But um, then also like something will happen like Broadway will shut down. It was until January, but then a couple of days ago they mentioned it would be in May. But they don't really give any like insight as to why they or how they made the decision. Like were they told they had to? Were they just looking at the science and decided not to? Did they realize that they didn't have the funding to do it in the, the right capacity? Who knows? But um yeah, there are a lot of arts organizations that are are suffering. Um and we're hearing more and more stories of challenges. There are certain ones that I can't share yet. Um but the, the the that news will come out of of things that are happening. Um, there was just an article in Dance Magazine by a guy who was in. I guess he technically is in the Broadway production of Chicago and has been for years. Um, and it was a very honest like portrayal of like what it was like to go through the the lockdown and how they left the city and then they came back and now they're wondering if they're going to be able to continue or even if when they can continue if they'll get their job back um and i don't know we 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 get like these uplifting articles and these these uh very like humbling articles and it's just hard to say like how will we come back um will we ever get back to normal um and I guess my answer, my answer to that is yes, we will definitely get back to, to normal. I, and by normal, I, I actually stopped saying normal, even though I just said it. Um, but I don't truly believe we will ever get back to normal. I think that we will create a new normal and then it will evolve from there. Um, I, uh, 
it's just going to take a long time to get there. And I think that a lot of organizations are going to be affected in certain ways. Um, one thing that I kept on saying at the beginning of the pandemic was that I felt really lucky that Movement Headquarters, well, we we had bad and we had good. Like the bad was we had just had our launch performances. And that's usually like when you get the, the momentum building and then you can really get the ball rolling, get more donations, uh, maybe start to use some press releases to get grants, um, more visit, sorry, more visibility that will allow you to get more grants and uh, more attention and then you can grow the organization. So we kind of missed that. Um, but at the same time, we were really limber in how we acted because the we didn't have like an, a building that we had to pay rent for. Um, our dances weren't on permanent contracts, like full uh, season contracts. So um, we didn't have any, we really had no overhead except for like website costs. Um, so our organization hasn't been greatly affected. In fact, I feel like we've had more opportunities um, to, to be seen, but I'll, I'll get to that in a second. Um, but yeah, for others, normal might not exist because other organizations are going to fail. Um, it's, it's weird. Some, some organizations are going to fail. Some are stressed, greatly stressed, but should be able to, to make it through. Um, but yeah, it's a sad reality that there are going to be institutions that fail. Um, and let's just like, let's be honest here. So I guess the best way that I can say this is, okay, look at look at the rent in New York City. So um, one of the big conversations right now is how the rent is really dropping throughout the city. And if you look at it, I've actually looked, I don't want to move because we love our apartment, but I looked just to see rent in Manhattan is dropping. It's not really dropping too much in, in any of the other boroughs, um, maybe a little bit in Brooklyn, but mostly in Manhattan because the people that had money to go left, um, not everybody, but obviously if people wanted to leave and they had money, they left. Um, everybody else, we live here and we don't have expendable income. So um, there are, I know some artists who were subletting um, or are subletting and they, they left um, and they're just like, they're taking their losses. But um, if you look at the rental market now, the prices have dropped. Um, and even if they haven't dropped the prices, they're offering like two or three months rent free for like a year or two year lease. They're no longer charging at a lot of places the, that expensive broker's fee that is usually like it's essentially the cost of one month's rent. So um, the rental prices in New York were exorbitant before the pandemic started. And I mean, I remember looking around and being like, things cannot get any higher. Um, this thing came through and a lot of buildings have emptied out and are um, suffering because they don't have enough people to fill the apartments. But what's happening now is the rents are sort of being like leveled out and it's a, it's in a more level playing field for people to live in areas that they had wanted to live before. Um, so there's like a positive and there's a negative there. Um, and the same thing is, is going to happen in the dance community. We haven't heard of way too many organizations failing yet. Um, there was, was it Ruth Page Center for Dance, I believe, which is Hubbard Street School or was Hubbard Street School. That's gone. Um, there were one or two organizations in Brooklyn that closed, um, that were mostly like community, uh, centers for dancers, like places you could rent, um, space. I don't know if they had any companies attached to them, uh, like from a performance standpoint, 
but there will be more. I mean, in New York, this is what it's, we're going on, it's October 13th when I'm recording this podcast. And actually my last day out of, uh, out of my apartment in March was March 13th. So we're officially into finishing the seventh month of the pan pandemic for us here, entering our eighth month. Um, and all these performing arts organizations are sitting, most of them are sitting closed unless they have children's classes or they are like purely a rental facility. Um, so there's tons and tons and tons of money being lost and the rents still having to be paid unless they have, they've like found an agreement with their landlords. Um, but yeah, New York is, so like with the apartments, like expensive cost of living, hard to find apartment. It's the same thing here with companies and with schools. There, there's way too many. Um, and it's really hard to break into the, the market. Like I, for the movement headquarters, like just to get a little bit of attention takes way more work than it would be to, if, if New York City Ballet wanted like a little press release. Like New York City Ballet can essentially be like, hey, we want to put, we want an article to be done on this. And people will be like, yes, or we need this to be reviewed. Absolutely. We'd die to be there. We'll push people all the way um, to get there. But then smaller organizations, you have to like fight tooth and nail and go through a lot of hard, 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 hard work before you can even get like a glimmer of attention. Um, schools, the open class programs in the city. I remember when I first came to New York, it was, Steps on Broadway, Broadway Dance Center, and I think Perry Dance had just opened. Um, and then maybe a couple smaller places. I think Ballet Arts was like not really well known at that point. But now there's like tons of places, like so many places that offer classes in New York. There's Gibney, there's Mark Morris, there's a place called PMT. There's, uh, I'm missing probably so many now. You have Ryu and Queens. Um, and uh, Valley Hispanico, uh, blah, blah, blah. There's so many. I can't even like remember them all. But um, these organizations have been in competition. And instead of like each one of them doing greatly on their own, what happens is they end up just sort of like sharing the market. So if, and I hate to say this, but if, if one or two of those organizations go under, it's going to allow the other organizations to flourish. So um, it is a sad thing to say that we are probably going to lose art institutions in New York City and the United States throughout the, the world. Um, but what it does is it almost, it's almost like a forest fire where everything like it's it's hard to find space to grow and see the light and then the fire comes through and it levels out some of the trees and the brush and the the plants and it enriches the soil and then the plants can find the light easier and there's more nutrition and there's less like competition um for survival to grow so i kind of see it in that way i know that uh some people are going to see me as like that being a negative thing to say um it's it's a win lose situation lose win it's 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 good and it's bad um it just depends on who you are what organization you are and what your outcome is so um in that sense i don't think that the performing arts will ever be the same in new york city because we're going to lose organizations um and we're going to organizations that maybe would have never been able to see the light of day are going to have an opportunity to to grow out of that so um 
Yeah, I guess it's just like those uh, you said that New York City is dead. The arts are are and, and are not dead. So it's like I have a podcast about this. New York City is not dead. Um, subways are actually starting to get more packed, which I, I honestly don't like at this point. But um, most of the neighborhoods in New York are are still alive. But it's really just Midtown and Manhattan and the financial district that are really quiet. But it's actually even getting um, more packed now. Um, things are still happening, but they're happening in different ways. Um, th- and that's not just in the arts, but, uh, when we can move forward and act as we once did, we will, we'll keep some of, uh, what we learned and we'll go back to some of our old ways. And I see that happening, like I said, in the performing arts and also just like throughout New York. So Will the performing arts ever be the same? I, I don't think that the same is like a thing. Yes, I do believe that we're going to get back to traditional performances. Um, I think that we're, we're not going to be there for a while here in New York. I don't know about the United States. Um, in Europe, they're already getting back to it. Um, and then some of them are having to shut down again and then they get back to it. So I think it's going to be kind of a push and pull, but I don't think that the pas de deux is dead. I don't think that uh, performing in a core is dead. I don't think that having people uh, seated, seated in audiences is dead. I don't think that having people tightly packed in audiences is dead. I think it's just going to take some time. Um, and we need to just be like willing to, to calm down. Because I guess it's interesting. Like I think our two biggest fears as human beings are one that like when we die, that we have no existence beyond that. And that's why uh, we have this idea of heaven. Um, also like genetics, like that's why people want to have kids. Cause it's like, you just can't imagine the world without you. I have different beliefs. I think that it's like a light switch. Um, but that's, that's one thing. And then I think that uh, even though humans are extremely adept at adapting, That's why we have uh, overtaken the earth in the way that we have, um, because our species is just really, really great at adapting. Um, It's funny because when things change, we all panic and we go like, no, it'll never be the same. It's not normal. Like, how horrible is this? But then we adapt and then we adjust. So I I truly believe that uh, the performing arts will continue. We'll get back to traditional performances. Um, but we're also going to take a lot from what we've learned during this time, um, whether that means like sharing our art a bit more um, via YouTube or television or on the big screen, um, not being so afraid of uh, copyrights and things like that. Um, maybe sanitation practices. I've always thought that dance studios are pretty, pretty dirty. And um, I've been really impressed, like going to Broadway Dance Center um, and to see how clean the studios are now. Um, it's like the subway. How is the subway so clean when it was always so dirty? Um, so yeah, it, I don't think the performing arts will ever be the same, but I do think that we will get back to traditional performances. Um, I think there's going to be a, be a period of uh, greater appreciation than there was before. And then we'll get back into our like normal. I do think that the arts, the performing arts, like people get really complacent when it comes to like, buying tickets, um, appreciating that we exist, uh, donating. And I think that people are, are going to be much more aware of what the performing arts actually bring to their lives. Um, it's kind of like when 
you're in performance mode or you're in like a rehearsal and performance mode for like months and months and months and you start to get tired and you're like, oh, I'm so sore. I can't believe I have to work today. Um, oh, I really don't want to go to class. I'd rather just like sleep in and then I'll go to rehearsal and warm myself up a little bit. Um, and then you get injured and then you realize how much you miss it so that when you finally get to go back in, you don't complain for the first few months about anything because you're just so grateful to be back in the studio. I think that that's what's going to happen with the performing arts. I think that we're going to have like this moment of like our great comeback and it's gonna be really really exciting and then it's gonna become business as usual and then we're gonna um have to find a way to get people keep people engaged um i mean there's also been a lot of conversation about like equity in dance organizations and like making practices better and the hope is that this time of pausing that we can uh improve the functioning of, of the arts, especially dance organizations as a whole. Um, I, that's another thing that I hope is not the same for the performing arts. I hope that that does evolve and that we do uh, grow and learn from not just this pandemic, but Black Lives Matter and politi- this political tragedy of 2020. Um, so yeah, I, I don't believe that the performing arts will ever be the same, but I don't, I don't say that in the context of like, it's, it's not going to... Uh, exist in a capacity that uh, we really like add to the culture of a city. Um, I think that that will always be a thing. I think it's just the the way that the performing arts function, the way that the society sees us. Um, I think that that's what is not going to be the same. I think it's really important to recognize um, if you do a little bit of research um, and you see what happened during past plagues, um, cities have emptied. And um, a lot of recreation and entertainment and non-essential activities cease to happen. But if you look at the trends, once the, the plagues uh, are under control, the, or once they became under control again, most cities re- recovered and came back much stronger than they had in the past. And they learned uh, better sanitation methods. They learned... Um, more efficient ways of taking care of people in their society. Um, they learn more, uh, better ways to keep the cities functioning. So, um, yeah, I see the, I see the performing arts in exactly the same way. And if you think about it, a lot of the major performing arts institutions exist in cities. So it makes sense that we are some of the most affected by what's happened. Uh, Just to sum this up, my greatest hope is that uh, those of us who are willing to stick this out will be greatly rewarded when things open up again um, and when we're allowed to reconvene. I keep on just reminding people this is going to be a long haul. Um, At the end of my career, I I didn't have a traditional ending to my career. And it's funny because I feel like I've actually I, I actually experienced what a lot of people experienced this year with like not getting to have a say in how their career ends. For a lot of those who already had, uh, didn't sign their contracts and had already announced their retirements, I went through that. And after that, like I spent a lot of time with myself, like giving myself class at home and at the gym, um, and just like really being in my head, trying to figure out like, am I retired? Like, what is my next step? It wasn't as like concrete of a line that I expected. So, um, I, I learned a lot and I, I was glad that I had that to handle this pandemic. But I think that uh, a lot of other people are going through that right now. And they're they're really questioning, like, 
am I a lifetime artist or did I have a period of a career of a career as an artist? Um, I feel that those who truly need to be a part of this will stay. There will be a lot that by luck will stay and there will be a lot that don't know anything else and they'll stay. Um, but yeah, I, like I said, I'm, my hope is that those of us, no matter the pathway that causes us to stick this out, that we will be greatly rewarded um, by having some extra space to plant our roots, find the sunshine, and just lift ourselves up into the sky. So yeah, that's my th- those are my thoughts on uh, whether the performing arts will ever be the same. Do we want them to go back to the way that they were? Um, I think that obviously we want the beauty and the joy of it, but I, I think that there are things that needed to be fixed. Um, and we did, we we have been oversaturated. So um, my only hope is that that is the positive that will come out of it. Um, and that will also take time to mourn those institutions that are, that will no longer be around come 2022, 2023, when, everything can when we can reconvene and enjoy a dance performance in a theater again at least in the united states otherwise i'm gonna have to travel to europe hopefully they'll take us because i don't know how much longer i can do this so anyway that is today's episode of pot of chat thank you guys uh for sticking with me um I again I would uh I would recommend that you follow our movement headquarters account and our YouTube account to see what's going on with our nutcracker. Um my birthday is tomorrow. It's October 14th. So um if you if you want to give a little gift, you could, you're more than welcome to head over to uh www.movementhqballet.org. Head on over to the donate section. There's a button at the top right of the screen and you can make a tax deductible donation uh to our company in honor of my birthday. Um, but honestly, I don't need anything. So um, I'm just happy that I've made it to 37 because, you know, 2020, just grateful to be here. So with that said, I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Pod to Chat Talking Dance. If there are any topics you'd like to hear me talk about, please feel free to reach out to me via my website contact page at www.barryquirrellis.com. Again, that's www.barryquirrellis.com. You can check out my company movement headquarters at www.movementhqballet.org. You can reach out on those websites if you'd like to become a sponsor for our podcast or to book master classes in ballet or contemporary technique for choreography or speaking engagements. Hope you enjoyed listening in and talking dance with me. If you enjoyed this chat, please feel free to share, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes. Every bit of extra visibility helps keep these podcasts running. And if this didn't fulfill your dance fix, check out my sister podcast on the Premier Dance Network. If you want to connect with me to see where I'm choreographing, teaching, and what I'm doing in my everyday life, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, where my name is B. Carolis, or on Twitter at Bariscos. You can also follow Movement Headquarters on Instagram at movement underscore headquarters. Also, be sure to check out my blogs. I have Life of a Freelance Dancer, and that's at lifeofafreelancedancer.blogspot.com. I wrote on there for five years about working as a freelance artist traveling the country. I also talk about independent contracting on that. I also have Dancing Off Stage, and you can find that at dancingoffstage.wordpress.com. And on there, I talk about the post-performance careers of professional dancers. I also have two YouTube channels. You can check out my choreography on B. Carolis. Uh, or you can go to Movement Headquarters and find information about our company on YouTube there. Thanks for listening in to Pod of Chat. I hope you return two weeks from this Friday to talk dance with me. And remember to go out and support your local dance scene.